Welcome to Glass Houses, a Billy Joel podcast. I'm Michael Grosvenor. And I'm Jack Frenino. Join us as we dig deep into Billy Joel's songs and history and what his music has meant to us. There it is, yep. Stand by it, Begging, rigging, Palestine, terror on the air like Ayatollahs in Iran, Russians in Afghanistan, Wheel of Fortune, Sally Ride, heavy metal, suicide, foreign death, death homeless vets, AIDS, crack, burning death, death. hypodermics on the shore, China's under martial law, rock and roll and For someone who hasn't released an album in nearly 30 years, Billy Joel is all over the TV. His music, his touring band, and his likeness get featured regularly on sitcoms, primetime dramas, prestige shows, and cartoons made for, for lack of a better word, mature audiences. These pop culture references have helped keep Billy in the public eye for the last few decades. They also reveal a lot about how the public's perception of him has evolved over that time. And to be honest, a lot of them are just pretty damn funny. Join us as we dive deep into just a handful of Billy Joel references in pop culture. Well, it's getting dark. We should probably start a fire. Man, how do we do that? Hey, do you think there's directions about starting fires in the song, We Didn't Start the Fire? I don't think so. I better go through it all. Stuff, stuff, stuff and stuff. History and stuff and stuff. People, people, someone's name. History and sports. Big disaster, someone's name, stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff. History, someone's name, something I don't know. Famous guy, movie star, don't know who these people are. Stuff and stuff and history, yelling really loud at me. Okay, how's your fire coming? This is a different sort of episode for us. We've done ones like this before, but not quite in this same fashion. How's that for suspense, huh? Funny enough, this was something that Jack and I have been talking about for a while, and unbeknownst to a few listeners who have also suggested it while we've been contemplating and slowly researching it. I think one of the challenges was, you know, we didn't know one, there's so many scattered about the internet that just trying to find them was the challenge. And also trying to find a way to kind of string it together into an episode, you know, which way do you tackle this? And so I think that was two things that kind of were stumbling blocks for us that, you know, took it till this point to where we were ready to hit record. Yeah, we sort of resigned ourselves to the idea that we're calling this part one, not because it's in any sort of real order, but more there was going to be hardly any rhyme or reason to it. And it was going to be far from complete. And so we just decided we would call it part one and feel comfortable not getting everything in there. But, you know, hey, we'll make this call out at the beginning of the episode as well as the end. You guys are going to notice stuff that we missed. Please let us know. We're going to put it on the list for next time. Uh, we didn't even use everything we had on here uh, for this one, just because I wanted to put some sort of organizing principle to it. So we got more to go after this. Yeah, for sure. You know, we always love your input on the shows. Uh, so we'd love for you guys to be the driving force and helping us with part two. And, you know, who knows when part two would come down the pike, but anything we missed, please tweet it to us, email it to us, all that fun stuff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad we finally decided to just say, you know what, let's just go with what we have and see what happens. Literally, it's something that you and I have been tossing back and forth for a long time. Uh, you know, speaking of getting people's input on this, uh, we're, we're finally bringing back our mailbag after a while. 
I feel a little bad because we kept uh, browbeating you guys. And then I was like, yeah, we keep getting emails, but we forget about them. <laughs> so we, now we've got yeah. like, a couple backed up. We have been better about responding. So we're, we're doing a little better on that. There's still a couple that I see we haven't gotten back to yet. The thing with reading them on the show, which we love to do, is lately we've been recording in pretty big batches. Jack and I have had some crazy life changes lately. Jack's starting a new job. I just moved into a new house. And so the stresses and craziness of all of that, we've been doing like marathon sessions where we record two, three episodes a night. And, you know, like an episode may get recorded one night and not air for two, three months just so we can not break our release schedule because we still want to keep every other week uh, a new episode coming out. So that's part of why we haven't been reading emails is because we didn't want them to be incredibly dated. Uh, but now that we're kind of getting back into the swing of our regular flow, we want to definitely get back into reading them. And we've got some great ones. Our first one comes from Christian Thompson. Uh, this one seemed vaguely familiar. And when I looked, I realized he and I had some nice conversations at the beginning of 2021. This was the guy we were talking about like philosophy and Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Um, I couldn't sleep one night and I got his email and I figured, yep, uh, yeah, I'm going for it. And uh, he bared the brunt of it and he came back for more. I remember waking up that day too. I'm like, oh, okay. Jack was in a special place that morning. Well, Christian writes, thank you. This was a fun episode that brought back some memories. I still have the VHS volumes, but no functioning VCR. I'm sure that all of us identify with the, is that Mark Rivera moment in the Piano Man video? Okay. So number one, he's talking about when we did the video collection volume one. And number two, okay. I'm not crazy, Michael. I'm not crazy. It looked like Mark Rivera. I was, what do you want me to tell you? It's so funny <laughs> that quite a few people have mentioned that. And for some odd reason, I never thought it. I never thought it never crossed my mind, but I'm going to give you yours because clearly you're not the only one who had that thought. I thought I'd pipe up about the keeping the faith video and your bafflement at the choice of setting. To me, the courtroom environment is clearly a reference to the album title. One shot in the video even has him sitting on the steps in a recreation of the cover. The conceit is that Joel is an innocent man attempting to eventually clear his name in court by the time the closing track of the album is concluded. There is definitely an I rest my case vibe to this track. I suspect that there was some half-assed and ultimately abandoned creative discussions that attempted to develop a through line and make this more of a concept album than just a collection of homage. Quote, Your Honor, I was just trying to make some easy money for this uptown <laughs> girl, but I couldn't tell her about it. Please don't put me away for the longest time. And uh, we'll insert a rim shot there. <laughs> Anyway, the whole courtroom drama concept never came to fruition, but they had spent too much time on costumes, extras, and guest appearances by that time not to go through with the closing number. I don't believe that is Richard Pryor, by the way. And just to weigh in on the pronunciation of uh, M-U-L-C-A-H-Y, it's uh, Mull as in Kinta, Kinta, and Kai as in Coburg. So Mull, Mull K. Okay, all right, we got him, Mull K. It's of Scottish origin. Russell Mulcahy also directed the movie Highlander. Ah, look at that. Keep up the fantastic work. Some of your interviews have been so touching and made me quite tearful at times. Ernesto Juan and Keith Yates. Don't take any shit from anybody, Christian. Well, Christian, thank you. And I really appreciate you calling out Ernesto and Keith. Those are some of our more under-the-radar ones we put out. And I'm, I'm really glad those resonated with you. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, both of those were very different. Obviously, Ernesto wasn't part of the original Havana Jam, but having lived that project for so many years um, and the clear passion for it and 
you know, him getting to know Billy through the project has been really fascinating and learning about his life growing up in Cuba and how it all ties together um, was just incredible. And then the Keith Yates story with Piano Man, I can't believe that story never surfaced until recently. And I think Billy was pretty baffled about it too. He had no idea. So just another little piece of the pie that makes up Billy's career and all these little components were necessary for us to get to where we are today. So uncovering some of this stuff has been awesome. Some great points, definitely. And, uh, you know, thanks as always for writing in. That's great email. All right. Our next one is from Jason in Nova Scotia. It says, hi, Michael and Jack. I wanted to drop you a line to congratulate you on such an amazing podcast. As a lifelong fan of Billy Joel, I can't tell you how pleased I am that the show exists. I have a question and please do forgive me if you have answered the question and somehow I missed it. But I've been racking my brain about this for many years. Now that Billy lowers the key to many of his songs to accommodate changes in his voice, do you think that for the songs in question, he has relearned the piano parts in a different key? Or do you reckon that there's a digital piano in the body of the baby grand that somehow through some arcane black magic changes the keys for certain songs such that he can continue playing the piano parts as he has always played them. Thanks so much. Jason from Nova Scotia. Yeah, that's a great question, Jason. Um, I know internally, at least we've discussed it before and on some of the Billy Joel pages, but Billy in fact is playing a digital grand piano and the digital technology has improved so much that they sound quite good. And the action on the keys, more importantly, is really good now. So yeah, so he is playing a digital grand piano. It's just a grand piano shell to make it believable. And so to make it feel like you're hearing what you're hearing. But it's Billy's piano tech offstage that is manually going through a program, transposing the keyboard for every song. So Billy is still playing things in the same hand positions he always did. But offstage, you know, they're going through a program every night. And I may imagine that things are just queued up. So the set list is done before the show starts. So Billy's keyboard tech is going to basically sequence the set list on the programs. You know, they've got every song's got set to a different setting just the way you are. It's, you know, now you've got Fender Rhodes on a grand piano. So it's, you know, all this stuff is pre-set up. So the, I imagine he can just go through every song sequence, you know, just click of a button. You're in a new key, new setting, new sound. And we have one more email. This one comes from our good friend, Bob Nebel. Bob writes, I enjoyed the Billy's. 1980 to 1984 TV appearances episode. The one that stands out for me is the Saturday Night Live appearance. That was a huge deal to have a performer do a remote performance. I knew that Billy was up to something special in the studio at that time. I viewed the 2020 feature online. What strikes me about that package is its lengthy running time. So Bob, as we've mentioned before, uh, uh, puts together packages like this for CNN. So he's intimately familiar with the ins and outs of them. Uh, what strikes me about that package is its lengthy running time. It's rare to see features that long these days. I also noticed that the natural sound breaks, the music performance snippets, are quite long. As an editor-producer, I rarely let breaks go that long due to decreased viewer attention spans. Things have changed quite a bit over the past four decades. The French TV appearance is pure gold. Yes, I would be saying what's going on here. I wonder if there are other overseas TV appearances from those days. Best Bob. It's a good point about the 2020 feature. You know, I vaguely remember, because uh, I would have been watching the tail end of those in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, when TGIF was done and you watch a bit of 2020 for the hell of it. Um, yeah, you know what's funny? I, I totally agree that 
they go by so much quicker now because of people's decreased attention spans. But like then on the flip side, people will listen to an hour long podcast like this, or they'll watch like a full performance on YouTube. Yeah. Or somebody's like, you know, I don't, I don't have the, the bandwidth to pay attention for a two hour movie, but I'll binge watch 20 episodes of the West Wing. <laughs> right. Without looking up. <laughs> so we you know it's true. I think when it comes to these kind of packages, yeah, people, people want those be bite-sized, but they'll go for something long form separately. Well, and I think so too, even stuff that is produced for television, they're pr- also producing it with the social media attention span in mind. Oh, so something that somebody can just scroll through and see a 20 second clip on something and then scroll on by. I think a lot of it is with that in mind. Right. Because it's, it's even, you know, maybe if you have a five to 10 minute package, the question is, can you edit 30 coherent seconds of it at any given point? Yeah, also the the Saturday Night Live appearance uh, that really stuck out to me as well. Um, it's it's funny because, you know, nowadays, you know, when a band is doing anything and everything. So I imagine, you know, seeing a Billy Joel performance that's live, that it's clearly the band in a recording studio. You know, that's like that would be exciting. That'd be like the way you found out. Oh, they're in the studio doing something because it'd be hard to imagine them booking the studio just to do this. Because otherwise they just come into the TV studio. Right. Um, but clearly, as we uncovered, um, they were starting working on the nylon curtain. And it was surely easier just to stay there and everything's set up and ready to go. Yeah. All right. Well, with that in mind, I think that's a perfect segue because we're talking about Billy on TV. And right now we're going to talk about yeah. Billy on TV. <laughs> the more I think about it, this episode is mostly Billy on TV is not even as much as pop culture per se. I think there's only two items on our full list that we're not getting to this time that are not TV shows. We're going to start off with a kind of reference that we haven't seen happen in at least 30 years. And that's a Billy Joel song being used as a theme song to a sitcom. What I'd like to point out is that it's pretty rare for a a song to become a theme song like this, you know, for someone to pick out of the hits, so to speak. It's notable then that Billy had two. Now the Drew Carey show is an outlier because they used to do like a different one every season toward the end. So like we don't we don't count that right, right. right. And then like Dan Aykroyd had that Soul Man yep. for a minute, but that was called Soul Man, and it was a Blues Brothers reference kind of. So that made sense. So with all that in mind, the most well known one is Bosom Buddies, which starred a young Tom Hanks and used a uh, sanitized sort of milk toast version of My Life. <laughs> You know, 
know, because what do you expect? They're not going to use, you know, the original one. They're going to they're going to get like right. the guy that sounds like the guy that sang all the 80s TV sitcoms to sing. Right. It. There's a big reason for it. It's uh, all comes down to licensing and cost. It's way more expensive, especially now more than ever to license an actual recording from an artist like Billy Joel than it would be to license just the song. So the difference is if you're licensing the recording then you're actually licensing the studio recording and we'll get to actually some of those that were used in a little bit here. But when you're licensing the song, all you are having legal permission to do is use, you know, being able to reproduce that song. You have to re-record it. You cannot use the original artist. And that's what happens with both of these. So the other one that's not as well known is Harry Anderson and Dave's World. And this was so 90s, so early 90s. Do you remember this show? I actually do. I don't know why. Maybe it was because of you may be right. You know, and I always liked Harry Anderson, so maybe that's why I watched a little bit of it. But it is your stereotypical, like a million TV shows like it, ABC show. <laughs> I mean, it, it's in a lot of ways, almost a precursor to like Everybody Loves Raymond. The long-suffering wife, little grumpy, little goofy, basic kind of husband thing. But it was based on, what's his name? Dave Barry, who was a newspaper columnist. Right. Who did very, you know suburban newspaper syndicated this is what's going on in the world these days sort of uh commentary yeah it was witty at times and it was supposed to be like sort of based on him both of these they were not the theme songs for the entire run of the show so i'm not sure if they decided to make a change or the license was only for a few years um but bosom buddies ran from 1980 to 1982 and at some point i believe in the second season they swapped out the theme song And Dave's World was on the air, actually, for longer, for four seasons, 93 to 97. And You May Be Right was the theme song for a portion of that as well, too. I don't know exactly how long. And it was actually Southside Johnny who did the You May Be Right theme. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, that one one was a little less milk toast. Next, we're going to get into TV shows that actually used the songs in the episode. I'll make a little distinction here, and I'll say ones that did it mostly in earnest, because we got a couple good, fantastic, jokey ones later on. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) You know, we're not counting Sesame Street in this list of the Oscar the Grouch version of Just the Way You Are from 1988. That was a cameo. That doesn't count. Billy was actually in it. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) But- the the first big use uh, that I remember came actually earlier than I suspected it would have, but it was from Moonlighting, which ran in the mid to late 80s, which was Bruce Willis, Sybil Shepard. Yeah. yeah, this is, I mean, now granted, I was a kid at that time, but man, I never knew Moonlighting from anything. The only reason I knew this show existed is because I knew that the, they used Big Man on Mulberry Street in an episode. 
But apparently this was a pretty big show. It actually ran for five seasons. So they had 67 episodes. It actually ran from 85 to 89. So it was the last. And this Moonlighting episode, to me, what was most interesting is it was a very long version of the song. It was like an extended mix that they did. It kind of referenced the live versions that we hear with the extended coda. Like you'll hear it on on concert. Do you want to describe this um, David Lynch-esque scene? (laughs) Yeah, it's well, and it's about a six minute cut. So it's actually a a dream sequence where Sybil Shepard is sleeping and then it, it pretty much plays like a Broadway show. So she's dreaming that it cuts to the scene of Bruce Willis. You know, it's very... You mentioned David Lynch, and it's got like a West Side Story thing to it. Oh, and the sax player is like totally a lift out of keeping the faith. Yeah. Right? Like he's clearly not playing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I say it's David, kind of like David Lynch, because it had that uh, sort of a uh, Twin Peaks vibe in that apparently this was like a detective show, but it was a t- detective show that would like break the fourth wall. And they would like reference the fact that it was a show. And then, you know, so it's like a detective show and they have this dream with a six minute dance sequence, like really like Broadway choreographed yes. thing right in the middle. So I don't know. I guess if you're into uh, musicals and dance and stuff, you'll you'll find it pretty cool. Didn't hold yeah. my attention too long. No, no, <laughs> no. I mean, um, you know, it, it must have been cool to see, though, like if you're just sitting watching TV and then they just broke into this going to shake up your 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 nine o'clock wednesday night or whatever whenever it was on being the music fan i am i always loved when a song i liked was getting like major airplay on a tv show i was like man this is awesome so i mean i didn't watch this until much later this particular episode um but i i would imagine you know billy joel fan would have been digging it just because they get to hear six minutes of a billy joel song I, i i think it was closer to the bridge time so it was probably 86 87 um, but yeah, certainly an interesting use of the song. Um, you know, I picture big man on Mulberry street, a guy walking down the street in New York, just kind of like just that kind of that pretty shuffle swing to it. And, you know, I just, I just see that more as, you know, this is like the moving out version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> a of, big yeah. man on Mulberry street. If, if you like Twyla Tharp's interpretations of Billy Joel, you're, you're going to love moonlighting. Cause that's really what this is. Yeah, no, yeah. It, yeah, it is. If you're into that, this is probably fantastic. I had always wanted to do something involving storytelling through dance. I was always trying to figure out a way to do that. And um, Phil Ramone called me. And Billy Joel had just, he just produced a new album with Billy Joel and Billy had recorded this song. And he said, can you do anything with this? It was called Big Man on Mulberry Street. And I wrote a whole episode culminating in this seven minute dance number. And I called Stanley Donnan who I'd met and said, would you come here and direct this dance number? She said, oh, I couldn't do that. That's impossible, I couldn't do that. I said, well, what do you mean you couldn't do that? He said, well, how much time do you have? And I said, I could give you maybe two days. I said, it's impossible. And, and he said, you couldn't afford me. No, 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 I can't do that. Well, he ended up doing it. And it was great. It was so great. It was one of the great thrills of my life. For those of you who don't know, Stanley Donovan directed Singing in the Rain and Two for the Road, which is an amazing movie, and, and countless great musicals, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and, and Damn Yankees, and he's just an amazing director. I loved it. Uh, I mean, you have to understand, Bruce is not a dancer. You know, I said, you're going to learn to dance. <laughs> he went, okay. And um, we got Sandal Bergman, who was probably the premier female dancer at that moment. She had just appeared in all that jazz, and 
all that stuff. And she was amazing. And I was pretty happy with it. Um, I was hurt because apparently Billy Joel was not, I think he was hoping for something more MTV-ish. Mm. Um, and we clearly were going after something more MGM-ish. Um, but I was thrilled. I just thought, it, and it was special effects in it. I mean, they look archaic today, but in their time, and there was this, a moment where there's 20 Bruce Willis's dancing together and some bunch of stuff. And it literally is a seven minute dance number. It's quite something. Um, I'm very proud of it. And the experience was truly a highlight for me. Now the next one, let's, let's jump to one people probably know now, but I don't because I haven't seen this show yet, but I keep hearing about it is the boys. Yeah. Do you want, you want to explain this? And now, I, isn't this like, um, for, for anybody else that's living under the same rock as I am, the boys is like, like an anti superhero, superhero thing or something like that. That's a pr probably a good way to, good way to put it. it. It actually is a streaming show too. It's an Amazon prime show. For what I read, it's loosely based on a comic book called The Boys, which was a DC comic published. It wasn't DC, but Wil Wildstrom was the company that was under DC Comics. They're basically like a team of vigilantes. They are the anti-heroes, so you, you kind of root for them, even though they do some pretty bad stuff. Mm -hmm. There's this character on the show, Hugh Campbell, played by Jack Quaid. One of his big character traits is that he is a massive Billy Joel fan. Okay. And so they tie it in like all the time where he's like listening to a Billy Joel song on his, you know, headset. I, you know, I've seen him wearing a Billy Joel shirt on the show. So there's a million Billy Joel references tied specifically to this character and his love of Billy Joel. Okay. There's something really important that I've been meaning to ask you. Last I checked, you are not 57 years old. So Come on, why is it always, always Billy Joel? I'm 57 on the inside. No, really, please. It was just the music in my house growing up. You know, I did some somersaults, so you may be right, that were pretty thrilling to watch. I found a short article, which I found on the ABC News radio website, why Billy Joel is a huge part of season two's Amazon's twisted superhero series, The Boys. So it says, if you're a fan of Amazon's brutal but hilarious superhero series, The Boys, we hope you like Billy Joel. That's because season two, premiering September 4th, is stuffed full of songs by the Piano Man. Joel's number one hit, We Didn't Start the Fire, was featured in the season two teaser trailer for the series, which follows an unlikely team as they try to bring down a cabal of corrupt superheroes and the evil corporation that owns them. But the show's executive producer... Eric Kripke says that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Billy's music. As Kripke notes in an interview with Inverse, the show's main character, Huey, played by Jack Quaid, is a huge Billy Joel fan. In season one, his final words to his late girlfriend were, never besmirch Billy Joel. <laughs> that makes me chuckle. I don't know. So for season two, Kripke tells Inverse, we had this hilarious aha moment where we realized how many Billy Joel songs were completely reflective of what Huey was going through in various episodes. And we said, well, let's keep playing Billy Joel songs that match the character's emotional arc. He continues, we had to get Billy's permission because it was like a lot of Billy Joel. And to his credit, he has shown a remarkable sense of humor and approved all of it. What we won't get, sadly, is a cameo by Billy Joel. We talked about it, says Kripke. For a minute, we seriously talked about recreating one of his videos with him but it became just prohibitively expensive. The video in question is Joel's 1985 top 10 hit, You're Only Human Second Wind, 
where he portrays an angelic figure who helps the young man decide against suicide by showing him what he'd miss if he went through with it. And that was by Andrea Dresdale in 2020. Now I got to watch this show and also guess where they would have put the, the video in. That does just speak to how undersung Billy's lyrics are. People love to just write it off as 80 schlock, but you know, and there was some, but he was able to get to a heart of a lot of matters that I think other songwriters that was Don Henley. didn't touch. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was screwing with Don Henley could take it. He's a big boy. <laughs> Don Henley's going to kick my ass. <laughs> He's going to kick your ass just for saying Don Henley. <laughs> we love you, Don. Don't hurt us. How'd you get here so fast? Life in the fast lane. Oh, that was horrible. Cutting that one. All right. We'll be back in a New York minute. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> Dirty laundry. Anyway, <laughs> boys of summer. Um, <laughs> so why don't we get back to the topic at hand? All right. We'll get back. Anyway. So, you know, I just say, you know, a lot of these, you know, Bill, Billy got, got to a lot of uh, ordinary people problems. He got in and out of them three minutes a lot of times, occasionally six, but he got in and out of them, you know, well enough that, you know, if you hear a snippet of them. Yeah, on a TV show, it would clue you in as to what was going on. They find a way to relate all these Billy Joel songs to a character that's very, you would think, is very much not relatable. And I'm sure this Billy Joel tie-in makes him more that much more relatable because they kind of seem to show him as just another guy going these through these things that you know Billy Joel's music just really touches him in that way and helps him through. That brings us through theme songs and big instances of using songs. We're going to do a, a sort of a lightning round here. And this is what I wrote were just quick references. So sometimes these weren't even in the episode. You, you had to know mm-hmm. like what the episode's names were and stuff like that. And a lot of the other ones were like real blinking, you miss it kind of. First one on the list here is Grey's Anatomy. Uh, the long running medical drama premiered in 2005 uh, and is like going into like something crazy like season 19. Every episode title is a song name and they have to date used three different Billy Joel songs through the years. Season three in 2006, they had an episode titled Sometimes a Fantasy. In 2015, which was season 11, they had an episode called You're My Home. And most recently in 2019, which was season 15, they had an episode called We Didn't Start the Fire. And I just love that, you know, I don't know who comes up with the, the titles, but, you know, We Didn't Start the Fire was a big hit, but they went a little deep with the other two here. Yeah. These song titles, they tie in to the storyline of the show in a way. I, I forget exactly what these three in particular were about. I think there was some fire going on. Oh, I'm <laughs> on sure. We Didn't Start the Fire episode, but these titles work into the overall theme of each episode for sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to add this one. Now we're getting into like references in show. And this one I, I do, we didn't have on the list, but it just occurred to me as you were talking, which is why I was inattentive and just going, yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, and not riffing as I usually do is scrubs. I forgot about scrubs and I couldn't think of what they were, but I'm just like, I, I know it happened at least once. So there were two I could find real quick. And one of them was just okay. Dr. Cox saying real quick. Well, nobody understands relationships like Billy Joel. I don't know. The, I can't <laughs> find the context to it. And the other one was, uh, okay. you know, Dr. Cox goes on one of his long rant, rants about, you know, his, his messed up relationships, I guess, with his wife or whatever, and says, there you are, superstar, mm-hmm. fix that. And JD goes, well, that's easy. Just tell her about it. Tell her everything you feel. And Dr. Cox goes, oh, I'm sorry. It's the same one. Okay. And Dr. Cox goes, should I give her every reason to accept that I'm for real? And JD says, first of all, no one understands relationships like Billy Joel, Okay. Uptown girl got me through high school. Long story for another day. We, we should just find the clip because oh, I'm, I'm doing that no justice. That's easy. Just tell her about it. 
Tell her everything you feel. Should I give her every reason to accept that I'm for real? First of all, no one understands relationships like Billy Joel, okay? Uptown girl got me through high school. Long story for another day. Uh, season one of Ted Lasso, which is the hilarious Jason Sudeikis show, there's a reference where he says, uh, ice cream, like seeing Billy Joel, it never disappoints. <laughs> I feel like there's got to be like so much like subtext to that that makes that even funnier. It's just, just the whole... Right. Yeah. Because it's it's true, but it's not the first person you would think of. So it, of course, says more about his character. <laughs> it seems an awful random analogy to make. Yeah. There's more underneath it. Yeah, for sure. So then this one's from Brooklyn Nine Nine, and this is one I think I I think I like paused it, rewound it while Alexis and I were watching it, just so I could like make a video clip and send it to you. Yeah. This involves another 2000s SNL alumni. Andy Samberg. So, I don't know, minor spoilers for one of the early seasons, but he goes undercover uh, with like a local crime family, like a mob family. Andy Samberg wants to go back undercover and his captain is telling him, no, you're an ex-cop. They're never going to believe you. And he says, no, I think they will. We we went through some pretty rough stuff together. And then and then it cuts to them all singing <laughs> Billy Joel, singing uh, Piano Man on karaoke. And then it cuts back and he goes, in the mafia, once you Joel together, you're bonded for life. That's perfect. I can't, I, I'm trying to think of how to explain why the, why it works so well. Obviously, we're so biased that, like, we enjoy right. it on a couple levels. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure we're stuck with each other for at least the foreseeable future, you and I, having Joel together Seriously. many a time now. <laughs> right. It doesn't, right. It doesn't matter how like many, it doesn't matter how many weeks late I am getting the edited episodes to you. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I should go back undercover, see if any of my contacts can tell me where he is. No, they're looking for a rat. And as a former cop, there's no way they're going to trust you. I guarantee you they do. Me and those guys went through some pretty intense stuff. Sing us the song of Piano Man! In the Mafia, once you Joel together, you're bonded for life. So you actually just reminded me that I, I discovered another one that's not even on this list. As I mentioned, I've been re-watching ER. There is Piano Man reference as well. There's an episode near, it's like the end of season six where Dr. Green, who's played by Anthony Edwards, one of the main doctors for the first eight seasons of the show, he and his wife are um, at like a piano bar singing Piano Man together. And they actually go through quite a bit of the song, singing the lyrics and, you know, typical piano bar fashion. Uh, but it's like a significant amount of Piano Man, which was a surprise because they didn't really do that. But though funny enough, there's one episode where they play two Metallica songs. So go figure. Show um, was made for you. <laughs> yeah and the desk clerk jerry name drops hetfield and hammett so that's like they went a little funny on metallica there too but and then in the episode dead again i just pulled this up which aired later in 2002 which was season nine so much later as dr green's now widow because he passed away from cancer she's going down to the er for the first time since her husband died billy joel's piano man is playing in the elevator She's heading to the ER for the first time since he died. Huh. So that was like a memory of the two of them together. Right. And then it was a very subtle callback, you know, three seasons later. Oh, wow. And what's really kind of crazy, too, it was a weird juxtaposition because in season six, while the two of them are singing Piano Man together and having a good time and all this stuff, simultaneously going on at the hospital, this deranged patient stabs Noah Wiley, Dr. Carter, and um, student or intern Lucy. Um, and she ends up dying, but there's this like horrific oh. thing going on at the hospital, you know, while they're out, you know, so it was a really crazy back and forth. One more quick reference is Parks and Rec. 
And that's going to lead yep. into what would be a quick reference, but for the fact that things happen a whole bunch of times. Does that make <laughs> right. sense? That probably doesn't make sense. You'll see what I mean in a second. Michael, explain this one, please. It's a season seven episode called Leslie and Ron. I forget this scenario, but Leslie and Ron end up locked together in the Parks and Rec department office because they're fighting about something and they want it. One of them wants to resolve it. So they end up locked in the Parks and Rec office. And one of these things, I think that Leslie Nope, is, which is another SNL alum, Amy Poehler, does to annoy Ron Swanson, who's played by um, Nick Offerman, is she decides she's going to blast We Didn't Start the Fire and sing these like made up lyrics to it. <laughs> it's like ridiculous and silly, but they're playing the actual recording and then she's just singing made up words over top of it. Uh, so that gave me a laugh for sure. Aha! Jackpot! You know what this is, Ron? This is a mix I made for the Summer Parks Barbecue 2007. I asked everyone in the Parks Department to choose one song. You chose Buddy by Willie Nelson. A fact I remember because my mind is a steel trap of friendship nuggets. But I am not going to play your choice. I'm gonna play Jerry's choice. Ooh, that's right. And I'm gonna sing along. And I'm gonna maintain eye contact the whole time. And guess what? I don't know the words! Harry Truman was the guy, America, Red China, all the countries, other people, everyone is fun. Joe Montana, E. McKellen, I have to buy a new toaster, this is awesome, you're so stupid, jumping up and down. Woo! Oh, I got it on repeat. Come on, Ron. You wanna hear it again or you wanna talk? No? Okay, next verse! Freddy Krueger bought some pants, Oprah has a turtle farm, Peter Piper, pee-pee-poopy, daddy ate a squirrel. Stop it! I will speak with you for three minutes. But, but Leslie isn't the only person to make up their own lyrics to We Didn't Start the Fire on TV. So now we get into the many, many references on Family Guy. And you know, when I went back, I fell off the Family Guy train so long ago. It just, you know, I, was, I just wasn't going to do it anymore. I watched a few of these. I was like, God, I forgot like just, you know, how good it was when they were like just really, really or, or being irreverent. I did the same thing too. I fell off after the first couple of seasons. And I think it was just because of it was like, you know, the formula. It was like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, like that one time when I was blah, 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 blah. And then, then insert pop culture reference or non sequitur. And in the first yeah. season, they actually used the same cutaway gag twice in two episodes. If you watch the commentary, they're sitting there watching like, oh, my God, did we use that in another episode, too? Whoops. Yeah. But, oh, man, when they were on, they were on. But <laughs> oh, no doubt. So in this one, is they, they're stranded in the woods and they're trying to figure out how to start a fire. And Peter goes, hey, I wonder if there's uh, information on how to start a fire in that song. We didn't start the fire. And his lyrics are stuff, stuff, stuff and stuff. History and stuff and stuff. People, people, someone's name. History and sports. Big disaster, someone's name. Stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff. History, someone's name. Something I don't know. Famous guy, movie star. Don't know who these people are. Stuff and stuff in history. Yelling really loud at me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to commit that to memory and bust that out at just the right time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So that that I thought that was great. Now see, because now the next one I'm gonna bring up, I thought wasn't as good, and th this was like sort of indicative of you know why I kind of stopped watching. So then there's another episode where Peter talks about the time he got his stomach pumped, and he says, yeah. "Hey, by the way, what did you find in my stomach?" And the doctor goes, "It's so many things. We're going to need Billy Joel to tell you what they all are." And then, you know, facsimile of Billy Joel, old Billy Joel, mind you, comes out and he just sings all the stuff. And then, and then 
Peter's refrain is, I didn't poop those items. At least at the <laughs> yeah, end, they right. do a nice meta thing at the end. They do a callback where they redo the song and it's, we didn't write an ending. So they just like made up this stupid, like, right. Billy Joel kind yeah. of. But it does have the, uh, oh, hey, Billy, does anybody call you Willie, William or Will? And then Billy goes, no. Does anybody call you Petey? And Peter goes, no, because I'm a grown up. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> God, you're going right. to have to just put them in because I have like no rhythm, no comedic rhythm tonight. You were very lucky. We managed to pump your stomach just in time. Oh, thank God. I had him pump my stomach, too. Doc, what was in there? Well, it's a pretty extensive list. I'm going to need Billy Joel to help me out. Lots of Legos, rubber bands, web shooting, Spider-Man, an old pet rock, an anti-clock, a ton of red Play-Doh. Colored pencils, lots of nickels, half a jar of plastic pickles, banjo strings, chicken wings, a single by Skilo. I didn't poop those items. They were in my tummy because they all look yummy. He didn't poop those items. He tried to eat them so you shouldn't feed him. Wow, that was great, Billy. Hey, does anyone call you Bill Joel or William Joel? Uh, no. Does anyone call you Petey Griffin? No, they don't, because I'm an adult, which is kind of what I was getting at. So that one was all right, but this one I do remember really well. I think I had this one on DVD. It must have been the first or second season. But Stewie goes, yeah, the, yeah. can you imagine just how, with, you know, the geniuses that must have been the people that invented singing, and it's a bunch of cavemen sitting around just grumbling, like, brr, brr, brr. and like one of them makes a pitch. And another one makes a pitch, and then they just break into the longest time. Like, oh, yeah. it's so perfect. <laughs> so well done. Because <laughs> you know something's know. coming, me... and you don't know what it's going to be, and it's and it's that, you know? That one cracks me up. Ryan, he's been locked up in that place for 30 years. It's perfectly understandable that he'd invent an imaginary companion. Yes, he's even more imaginative than the people who invented singing. <laughs> <laughs> So this one I found a little while ago is is what what seriously looks like a road worn prostitute strutting around and it's playing Uptown Girl and it's clearly an homage to Pretty Woman because she's going in these high end stores and there's cuts of uh, her buying dresses and they're they're charging like four hundred seven hundred dollars at a time. And then the music stops and she's in a pawn shop. She's like, I'm going to pawn these all for crack again. Just yeah. put the clip in there. But the last one, which I don't, I won't have to try to recreate. I think this one was great because it was meta. It was random and it was a deep cut. So like, you know, everybody knows Uptown Girl. Yeah. Everybody knows uh, We Just Start the Fire and The Longest Time. And yeah. this one, Peter's going to join the rodeo and they're all telling him, you can't, you don't know how to ride a horse. What are you doing? And Peter says, well, I, I think I'm going to have to do it. Look, it even says in the TV guide, Peter bites off more than he can chew when he joins the rodeo. He's like, I'm more, <laughs> I'm more Western than Billy the Kid. And they start playing Billy the Ballad of Billy the Kid. But not only that, they get to the, uh, to the, to the piano breaks and they just cut to Peter playing the piano. And then, he, and then it would cut back to him at the rodeo. And then he'd be like making all these weird faces and like bending over the piano like for the different tones of the different breaks. Yeah. That's classic Family Guy. That makes me want to keep watching. When they come up with something, yes, that's, totally. I mean, that's irreverent. You know, like just mm -hmm. I didn't poop those items is lazy. But but doing this deep cut that half the people aren't even going to get, and then yeah. going on for a solid thirty seconds to a minute when usually the cutaway gags are five seconds. That just 
Yeah, that shows commitment to your craft there, Mr. McFarlane. I salute you. And then the last one, and I think this one was pretty recent. Did you see this one? I, I put this one on there like um, a couple hours ago. I did. I did watch the video. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'll explain it, but yeah. you should just put it on because it's so great. He said, I knew the fat man was going to buckle under pressure. And then it's, you know, it's a family guy cutaway because then Peter says, you mean like when he went to that Billy Joel concert and they're, they're playing pressure and they get to the end, it's one, two, three, four. And Peter goes, uptown girl. I knew that fat man couldn't keep this up. He always buckles under pressure. Yeah, you're right. Like at that Billy Joel concert. Yep. Two things about that. First, I think it's, it's still a pretty good joke. However, with a caveat, I'll get to it in a second. Uh, they clearly, it's so funny because they clearly did not use a Billy Joel concert for reference, which is not a big deal, but the stage plot was just completely different. It was like two right. guitars. It was a guitar, bass. It was a two, two guitars, bass. Two drums, guitars, bass, keyboard. And, key, and piano. And, yeah. and the piano, it's like a T-shaped stage and he's facing the audience, not off to the side. No saxophone, no crystal yeah. or nothing. But they did reasonable facsimiles, I think, of Andy Sishon and Mike Del Judas. I thought that as well. Even Tommy Burns. Yeah. I see th- those three specifically. I'm like, yeah, I totally buy them as those three as Family Guy characters. The goatee on Mike and the the hair and the face on yeah on both Tommy and, and Andy. Just I was like, wow. They Someone looked at the recent Billy Joel band and really went out after it. Yeah. So I'm going to make a pet theory that because it's it's not what you expect to see that yeah. they, they had they just had to streamline it because they, they they couldn't let that get in the way of the joke like it had to be so obviously right. they had to give the piano so much room so there was no problem there was no like moment of like discombobulation of the of the audience the TV viewing audience like trying to figure out what the hell's going on like it just had to be like right. the guy playing piano is the front man and everybody's behind them doing right stuff. yeah yeah definitely yeah like there's no they're not going to put Mark Rivera off to the side because he would be on stage when there's no saxophone and right. pressure. Like there's just, they, they, you know, so they did give the drummer a, a hat like Chuck. Yeah, that's true. He didn't, he didn't strike me quite as much, but yeah, they did give him the hat. The hat is all I got from him, but right. yeah, the three up front. Yeah, definitely uh, passable. The problem <laughs> I have with this though is, is of course that, you know, family guy was for as funny as it is, it's an inferior version of the Simpsons. And in this case, they sort of like cribbed two things off the Simpsons. One is the old monorail gag. Monorail, mm-hmm. monorail, one more time. Monorail, mono. Oh! Right. And the other is when right. they use, which I'll, I'll get into now, is when they used Uptown Girl on The Simpsons. You remember this one? When Homer becomes a hippie? I do. Yeah. And this uh, this yep. guest star, George Carlin, was the, other, was the other old hippie a cameo or was it just George Carlin and then a random voice actor? Martin Mull <laughs> was in it. Huh. As Seth. George Carlin as Munchie, Martin Mull as Seth. I don't know Martin Mull. Google him. You'll recognize him. Now, I want to ask you this. What year was this? Oh, yeah. I've seen this guy. That Simpsons episode? Oh, was yeah. he? Was, no. Uh, yeah. What year was that Simpsons episode, Doan in the Wind? Do, yeah. Doan in the Wind. It was 1998, mm-hmm. and it was season 10. So here's what I'm going to say about that, because I thought, I couldn't remember if it was late 90s or early 2000s. Being late 90s makes my point. You know, we've mm-hmm. said a couple times that, like, even you and I, like, by the late 90s, we, like, cooled on Billy Joel for a couple years. I think we even kind of right. felt it was a little unhip. We were exploring mostly, you know, well, I think we were both getting into metal at that point. You were more into it earlier. You know, it's funny that I think going into the 90s, you had, like, Moonlighting and Day's World, where 
Billy Joe was still big enough that he was on, you know, but now he was on like, you know, your, the stuff your parents were watching, you know, th- those kind of sitcoms. Right. And I really feel yeah. like in a way this, this Simpsons episode was like a, a nail in the coffin for Billy for a few years because, you know, since season 10 is certainly past the Simpsons prime, but it's, it was still right. a cultural juggernaut. So in the episode, Homer becomes a hippie and he's hang, palling around with, with George Carlin and Martin Mull and he puts on there. He's in the back of their car, and of course he's Homer, so he's pissing them off. And he goes, "Let's play that hippie anthem." And he puts in a cassette tape, and it's Uptown Girl. And you know, Martin and, and George Carl, whatever their names are, are like, Ugh. and then later on, they're confronted by a bunch of cops pointing their guns at them. And Homer's putting, uh, you know, flowers in each of the barrels, singing, "Don't don't forget our hippie anthem." And he's singing like a real operatic Uptown Girl, you know, as he goes. Oh. Never gonna freak anybody out with this music. I brought something from my personal stash that'll blow some minds. You turn that down just a little. They can destroy our bodies and our ponchos, but they can never silence our song of protest. Uptown girl. She's been living in her white bread world. Come on, guys. Forget the clubs. Just shoot them. Right. So, you know, to me, like, as, as good as that was, and, and it was it was random, you know, really was a precursor to what Family Guy would do. At least for me, it just was like, okay, yeah, Billy Joel's lame. Like, the Simpsons are clearly making fun of him. Like, right. that's the joke, is that this is so square. Right. He's, he's trying to be counterculture, right. and he's being square instead. But- you know, look at the look at the renaissance that he has in the next decade. With, oh, yeah. You know, and it starts with real tongue-in-cheek, you know, still kind of sarcastic, like, oh, should I just tell her how I feel? Tell her all about it? Sort of references. Right. Even when we get to the office, the first time they, they reference Billy Joel, it's the idea that Dwight's a big nerd and he's talking about it. But then it, it evolves into a little more appreciation, like the Ted Lasso thing. Like, there's still a joke to it, but- there's some sort of right. appreciation, you know, the fact that they did that whole thing with Billy the Kid. It doesn't feel mean-spirited, even if it's a little bit of a jab, but it, like the tone of it shifts. Yeah, it's like we're all in on the joke now, whereas right. it was, you know, it was Billy was the butt of the joke back in 97, 98. So this was in the episode Gump Roast, which was in season 13. 17th episode which was 2002 it's essentially a clip show the springfield friars club is roasting homer and then they're playing clips from past episodes it's like this is your life you know yeah that's kind of how they're framing the clip show um and they use a parody song of we didn't start the fire they call it they'll never stop the simpsons i vaguely remember this home and shorts christmas show marches fling homer's bro barden well flanders fails whacking snakes monorail mr plow homer's face sideshow bob steps on rakes lisa's future selma's hobby march not proud homer chubby homer worries bought his gay Bucci u2 nra hippies vegas and japan are couplets and barge boy band march murmurs mord croaks lisa buddha's homer tokes baggy bows burns away what else do i have to say they'll never stop the Simpsons have no fears. We've got stories for years. Like Marge becomes a robot, maybe Mo gets a cell phone. Has Bart ever owned a bear? Or how about a crazy wedding where something happens and do 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 do? Sorry for the clip show. Have no fears. We've got stories for years. Back in 2020, I complained about this on online and I'll complain about it again. 
the plethora of horrible We Didn't Start the Fire parody songs that people were putting out because they didn't understand that there's more to it than just like listing stuff. You actually have to make it rhyme. You actually have yeah. to like have a sense of rhythm and pentameter. But yeah, this this is like spot on because it, The Simpsons had so many moments that everybody knows that they, they could just right. make, make one or two word references. And we're like, I remember that one. I remember that one. I remember that one. Yep, exactly. So The Office was the first one, I think, to really kick off a long running series of, of references. I think they beat Family Guy to it. Uh, there's at least four that I can think of. First one is, uh, yeah, I think in season two, Ryan started the fire where Wyatt is jealous of Ryan because he's getting all of Michael Scott's attention and there's a fire and the officer are all outside and they realize it, it happened because Ryan put like a piece of toaster or pop tart in the toaster too long and it caught on fire. Dwight in his like beautifully like hyper little kid way is like starts singing Ryan started the fire instead. Yeah, it does one of the talking heads and Ryan's like, I can't believe it. He's all distraught. And then it cuts back to Dwight and he's just singing, I think, the first verse, like just in full earnestness. And then the, gets to the chorus yep. and it's just Ryan started the fire instead. Uh, I have a song, attention everyone, that I want to sing oh. that I wrote especially for this occasion when I was up there among the flames. Ready? Ryan started the fire! It was always burning since the world's been turning! Ryan started the fire! It was always burning since everybody was turning! I can't believe I started the fire. Ryan Megan Mellis, oh, Ryan Rollins, Ryan Marilyn Ryan started the fire! And then the callback to a lady yeah. fire guy. And then when Ryan loses, well, okay, well, spoilers for whoever didn't see all of The Office, but when Ryan gets fired, he becomes fired guy by Kevin. That's right. a nice through line there. The next one, and I forget what season it is, is when Michael is supposed to break up with a woman because he realizes that she has a husband. He's the backdoor man. They're, the whole office is preparing for him to be distraught. And when he's distraught, nobody gets anything done. And he comes in and he's fine and everyone's suspicious. So Jim finally says, hey, do you want to finally hang out with Pam and I tonight? Because, of course, that was a running joke in the show that Jim always wanted to hang out with them, and they, they always had an excuse. And he goes, nah, right. I have plans. And Jim says, really? We can play Billy Joel Rock Band. And he goes, they have Billy Joel Rock Band? He goes, yeah, which was a great reference. Obviously, there wasn't, but yeah. a reviewer made the reference in reviewing the episode that goes, by the way, there's no Billy Joel rock band. And thank God for that. Billy Joel gets wind of this, calls up the company that makes Guitar Hero and licenses a few songs to him. It was rock band, rock, not Guitar rock Hero. Rock band, yeah. Licenses a, a few songs to rock band just to stick it to this reviewer. Well, here's an article from The Escapist. The, the headline says it all. Billy Joel asks to be in Rock Band 3 out of spite. I think this is the turning point for Billy Joel references because like he was... Yeah. Like he, he addressed it, but he was kind of, he didn't blow his fuse, but he was like, ah, I'm going to screw with you back. Right. Like if you're going to, you know, that's what you're going to say. So what does he say? Like every, sometimes I get a check and then I laugh at him or something. Thanks to a snide remark by a fellow internet journalist, 12 of Billy Joel's songs will be available via download for Rock Band 3. Apparently, Harmonix had asked him to include his songs before, but Joel has always refused to have his music be in video games. I've never allowed my music to be used in a game before, Joel told USA Today. But that was before he read a review of an episode of NBC's The Office <laughs> on Entertainment Weekly's website. The episode from this May mentioned that a fictional game of rock band Billy Joel and the offer of the recap scoffed. The critic wrote something like, God forbid that should ever happen. Joel said, so I called my people and said, get me on that rock band game. 
then I wrote the critic saying that every time I get a check, I'll give him a little nod. <laughs> but then in true Billy Joel fashion, the critic insists that Billy Joel never actually emailed him. Like in just one of those right. other instances where the, the history gets retconned just a little. The critic's name was Darren Franich. Yeah, and he said that he denied that Joel ever contacted him. There's a commenter, however, on the original Office recap from someone named Billy Joel that reads, Sorry I took so long to write, Darren. I've been busy rolling around in a pool of royalty checks. <laughs> this is the greatest feud ever. That's that's like such a George Costanza move. You know, just doing something out of spite. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so after that, we have two more references on The Office. One is on the episode Threat Love of Midnight, where we finally see clips of the movie that Michael had been making over the years. And and Michael, as we know in the, in the show, and I believe Steve Carell is, is a really good skater. He plays hockey and this and that. So he has to, there's a whiz, he's, he's trying out for the Olympics. Do they do pressure as well? They definitely do running on ice, which is the one that's on the nose. And I think pressure's yeah. in there too, somewhere. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the last one is when Pam and Jim go to Roy's wedding, Roy being Pam's brutish uh, ex-fiance, and they're expecting it to be a real shit show. He's got a big mansion. He's all clean shaven. You know, he's, he's in the nice tuxedo and he sits at the piano and he, sing, and he plays and sings She's Got Away uh, for his wife. So, uh, it was a year ago today that I met Laura. I thought she was my waitress, and uh, <laughs> took her three weeks to tell me that she actually owned the place. You are full of surprises. You are my beautiful mystery girl. And today, I have a surprise for you. <clears throat> he plays piano? No. Roy? No. You know how I said I was taking boxing lessons? Actually, I was doing this. Um, so, I hope that you like it. <clears throat> you got this, Roy. <laughs> She's got a way about her. I don't know what it is, but I know that I can't live without her. She's got a way. I'm going to look right. that up about pressure because, damn it, if we're going to be on the record. Okay. okay, it was. Let me see. They play him both in the scene where he's skating, where he's trying out. All right, this next one is from the show How I Met Your Mother, season eight, episode 20, which aired March 2013. The episode ends with Ted, imaginary Barney, and the imaginary future versions of themselves. So like all the friends that are like always around the table, like the, the cast of the show. I don't know the show well, so... I'd maybe kind of screwing that up a little bit, but it ends with them all sitting on the table and Neil Patrick Harris's character says, all right, everyone, like we practiced, no mistakes. And then he counts it in one, two, three, four, and then they go into an acapella version of The Longest Time. Okay, guys, I've been waiting 20 years for this, just like we practiced, no mistakes. Ready? One, two, a one, two, three, four. Whoa. For the longest time, Whoa. for the longest time. If you said goodbye to me tonight, there would still be music left to write. What else could I do? I'm so inspired by you. That hasn't happened for the longest time. One thing that bothered me probably more than anything else is that the count in was off for the <laughs> song to start. <laughs> it was mostly a, a non sequitur 
The plot is in April 2013, Ted is feeling all alone while his friends are preoccupied with their family and his other friends are playing their wedding. Barney asks Ted if he wants to go see Robots versus Wrestlers Legends. Ted says no. Ted is visited by future versions of Barney and himself who try to convince him to go or to not go with Barney to the event. You know, obviously the future versions have knowledge of what happens in the future, which eventually leads Ted to understand why he gets these visits. So yeah, so there's this whole like supernatural thing where they're visited by their, he's visited by his future self and future Barney. They could see it as that they're just all there at the end and now they have enough people to, to do the song or something. I wonder if it, because the harmonies are kind of tricky to that song, if it is sort of a, a showcase people get to do in that sense of like, you know, all these actors have to know how to sing and have to know how to do all these things. And every once in a while they're like, damn it, we're going to do it. Like we're going to show off this talent, <laughs> this other thing we don't get to do when yeah. we're on a sitcom. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Because otherwise it seems kind of a strange tag at the end. Right. Like it's funny and it's a fun little feat of strength, but it's also when you realize that a lot of a lot of actors, you know, they can dance or they can they can sing. And I know Neil Patrick Harris certainly does. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So now that leads us to the closest we've gotten so far to a Billy Joel cameo. Yeah. This is in three. I think it's three episodes worth, or, or just one. It was one episode. Oh, okay. Eleventh episode. Evans bringing supper back is the episode. Right. So first of all, Mike Del Judas does the theme song for the show. Indeed. Ordinary guy. Right. I don't want no ordinary feeling. I don't like no particular style. Tattoos or high heel shoes. I just ain't got no time for you. I am not your ordinary guy. And then in one episode, Kevin and Chris Rock and everyone get their old band back together, Smokefish back together, mm-hmm. which includes, you know, Mike Del Judas in character. Yeah, you know, and, and obviously the joke is like Mike Mike Del Judas is the only one that like can actually play, and the other guys are just kind of barely hanging on. Right. And they go, and then somebody, but Mike's got this ridiculous, huge, ridiculous wig on, like long hair wig, and this uh, like record exec or book or whatever, like comes and he goes, wait, let me just hear the piano player. And, and Mike does his thing. And, he, and the guy's like, all right, you come with me. And Mike just gets up and, and goes with him. You know? but, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, once again, I don't do justice. It's really worth seeing because Mike, <laughs> Mike is so in on the joke. It's hilarious. Like he's got that, he's just got that look on his face. Like he's trying not to laugh the whole time. <laughs> so that right. just makes it that much funnier. And you know, whenever you see Mike, whenever you talk to Mike, like he's just, you always get the impression that he's just so happy and grateful that he gets to do this stuff that oh, it's yeah. just gotta be like another dream come true to be on TV. <laughs> you know, so he's like, like he's like, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, played a part on a TV show that uses his song as the theme. It's like, it must be really surreal to do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. So like his, his enjoyment is just so palpable in these clips that it really elevates them. Do me a favor. Sing hard pretzels again. Guys, hard pretzels from the oh, top. Oh, actually, just him, please. Uh, what, what do you want you, no, you to do? Hard pretzels left you out too long. If it takes forever, keep you toasty, safe, and warm. Now I see the problem. Me too. Paige is really pushing the gas pedal now. You, let's talk. And the show, you know, unfortunately for Mike, didn't last very long, only a couple seasons. They brought in Leah Remini as a guest star a, few, a bit in the season one, 
And obviously they had such great chemistry because, um, she, you know, they starred together on King of Queens. They promoted her to like basically the, the, the co-star with, with Kevin. And then it just pretty much felt like a different version of King of Queens. Yeah. I was going to say, once you bring in the other principal from that, it's, it's like Abbott and Costello kind of, you know, now you're just putting two people into any situation. But yeah, Abbott and Costello, they are not, so it didn't quite work. And so the episode with Mike Del Judas was actually ended up being the series finale. It was the last episode, season two. But there's an episode that actually features Billy. It was actually the 11th episode of season one. It was Kevin's bringing supper back. And I'm going to read it just a little synopsis. Kevin's irritated by the lack of his family's closeness. Kids are at each other's throats. A dinner is almost ruined by, it sounds like Kendra and Sarah arguing Kevin lays down his foot and makes the two reconciled, but also a friend surprises him with Billy Joel tickets, and he's got to make a decision on whether he wants to split with the family and go to the show or stay with the family for the night. And I believe he ultimately decides to go to the concert, and they filmed one of the shows. And so basically, Kevin James was like front row in <laughs> character at a Billy Joel show. So much for not selling the front front row tickets, huh? <laughs> right <laughs> all right so that that's a good spot to end on we um we start with the theme theme songs we get a couple quick references we get some snarky references we get a renaissance and then we get an appearance by the man himself mike del judas right. oh wait <laughs> <laughs> billy joel <laughs> <laughs> both men themselves yeah <laughs> so once again you know as we said we know we didn't catch everything uh, we do have a couple more on the list for part two but uh help us out here what do we miss any other references to billy joel any other use of his songs let us know if there's any we missed glasshouses podcast at gmail.com or find us on the socials under glasshouses a billy joel podcast on facebook instagram and twitter and we say it all the time but we mean it all the time uh your reviews your ratings uh, really help us out so if you can leave us that five star rating and review on apple podcasts it helps the algorithms adjust and put us in front of some more people and really helps us continue to grow and we have had another great year so far and you guys are the reason for it so anything you can do to help would be awesome and we'll see you next time yeah we'll see you soon everyone thanks <laughs>